0: You're listening to The Career Coach Podcast, bringing you information, lived experiences and all-round career conversation. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Sharisha, and as always, I am joined by a special guest. So today, I would like to welcome to the show, Fiona Anderson.
1: Wow, what a welcome. Yeah, the (laughs) round of
0: applause for you. (laughs) Brilliant. How are you doing?
1: I'm well, I'm well. I'm pleased that we're uh, here in 2021 and looking forward to a more positive year for everyone.
0: And more productive as well, hopefully.
1: Absolutely. So happy new
0: year to you. I know we said it before. recording, but
1: I'll
0: say it again. So um, could you just like explain what you do for a career?
1: Yep. So um, I am a company director at GECPR, which is part of the Greg Evans Consultancy Group. So GECPR launched um, nearly four years ago in spring 2017. And we specialize in travel and lifestyle PR specifically.
0: And have you always wanted a career in PR?
1: Um, Yeah, that's uh, for a long time. So I actually wanted to become a journalist Okay. Um, initially so as a child I used to love reading and writing and I used to love sort of creative writing making up stories and so I think one of my older siblings said to me you know you should uh, think about a career in, in writing or journalism because you love reading everything and I was like yeah that that could be interesting so from a, I think about the age of 12 I wanted to be a journalist okay. and so I'd kind of planned out that was what I was going to do. I studied sort of media studies and then I was going to go and study journalism at uni so that actually sort of worked out for me and I went to Cardiff University studying communication so a combination of journalism and English language and in my second year at uni I decided that I should probably try and get some experience because it, journalism is so um, competitive so I applied for work experience placement at a couple of media organizations in London. My parents lived in London, had a house in London so I came back for the summer And I applied for a two-week placement with London Weekend Television. And that was brilliant. And then a company called Media Research, who were based in Hammersmith, who did a lot of um, research for radio programmes. And I spent a month with them. And while I was there with them, they said, "Oh, why don't you go and uh, meet our PR team? And I was like, I don't even know what PR is, but I'll go and meet them. And I was talking to one of the directors there and she said, Oh, well, spend the day with us and see what we do. And that was it for me. I was like, so you mean every day is different. You get to talk to people, you get to write, you get to go to events, all of these things. And that was it. It was like, right, forget journalism. This is definitely what I do, <laughs> what I would do when I get out of university. Um and so yeah, that's where it all started. And for those that
0: might not know what PR stands for, could you just explain
1: Yeah, the- yeah, absolutely. So um, PR stands for public relations and essentially public relations is around promoting an organization to different audiences or, or publics so in the case of a travel and lifestyle company like ours we specialize in raising awareness of travel organizations and travel brands so for example Our current clients include an airport parking company, a tourist board, a country destination tourist board, the Maldives. We also work with regional tourist boards in Philadelphia. And then we work with, on the lifestyle side, different products and brands that really focus on things that people do outside of work in their free time. So we work with Swarovski Optic. So that's a binocular brand and the binocular arm of the Crystal family. So for each of those clients who are very, very different, we come up with different campaigns for how to raise awareness of their brand and keep them front of mind with different media, different influencers, and also different target audiences. So travellers usually, people who like to book holidays, or it could be people who want to buy binoculars. So we will come up with campaigns that will ensure that media come to us if they want to use a product or go to a hotel or go to a destination. And we will also then liaise with different partners. So for example, if you're promoting binoculars you may think okay right not everyone wants to buy binoculars how are we going to find this audience and so you think okay it's people who enjoy outdoors so then you might team up with outdoor brands okay so yes so pr is very very varied and i certainly didn't start in travel and lifestyle pr that took me a good oh 15 years Mm. um or maybe 12, 12 to 15 years before I found travel, I actually started in food and drink PR. So I can tell you a bit more about that if you like.
0: Yeah. So yeah, go into that actually a little bit more. So yeah, your first kind of, you've come out of uni. What did that look like for you?
1: Yeah. So I came out of uni and I discovered that journalism is competitive and so is PR. So I was like, ah, right. And luckily I had got a bit of experience under my belt with my summer placement. So that really, really did help. It showed that I'd sort of taken the initiative and looked for work experience myself. And I'd already tried PR, so knew that I was committed to it. Mm -hmm. So I'm a real advocate for trying to get some work experience, any work experience, even if it's just two weeks, it just shows that you have really committed to working in a field. And also it shows you're proactive as well, which is always a a good career skill needed. So when I graduated, I applied for, gosh, I don't know how many uh, PR companies. I sent my CV with a covering letter to lots of them. And then I just was working at a call centre where they had a contract with the the Telegraph newspaper. Mm -hmm. And so I was working with them for a bit and and i decided you know what i just need to get into central london try and find somewhere I've got a couple of friends who wanted to move, move into london so i very naively decided that i was going to move to central london without a permanent job sorted <laughs> which is not that clever but i've been doing this work at this call center and so the lady who was running the service with the telegraph said oh so i hear you're moving on and i was like yep yeah i'm going to go and get a PR job and she said oh have you got a job yet I was like well no (laughs) and she said well why don't you come and work with us at head office and read relations for a bit and I thought well it's a newspaper there is a link there with PR so why don't I do that and so I, ended, I loved working at the Telegraph and it was great, great for the CV. And I ended up working there for eight months okay. while I kept applying for PR entry level jobs. And so that's how I got in. First, starting with a food and drink agency in Soho, a very, very small firm. But we had some really great brands. So we worked with Wall's Ice Cream and then they'd had fun products. I think it was at, uh, um, Cavoisier. And lots of alcohol brands, Coven ports. And then I think we did a campaign with Barney the Dinosaur, which was just like a oh, one-off. Oh wow. yeah. I mean it was quite varied. And I think yeah. the thing about VR is that you can turn your skills to so many different products and sectors. And so many agencies don't just specialize in just one type of product, but they will look at various ways because of course you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket sort of thing. And so I think, The good thing about working for a small agency when I started is that I was there, I could hear everything going on around me. I was exposed to everything the MD was doing. I got to go to all the meetings with the clients and got got to go to all the events. And then I, since after that, worked for bigger agencies. And I do think working for a small company when you're starting out in PR is brilliant because you're much more exposed to um, different levels. When I moved into a big agency, I realized that, the MD is like 10, 11, 12 rungs up and you'll see them walking around at the big company meetings. But you know you won't necessarily know what they're doing. And so that's probably better when you're a bit more established, I would say. And I don't think, gosh, it's about 25 years ago since I started out. I don't think things have changed that much, I would say. Go for a small agency, get your experience there. Um, and there are so many small agencies you've got more chance of getting in with a smaller agency who need your energy and resource than the big ones who tend to be more established their clients are paying them a lot more and so they are you know really looking for people who are very very experienced for for the most part
0: and how did you find like your feet and the confidence in yourself especially being such a a young age and in such a quite vast and almost glamorous type of job yeah. really because people see is as quite a glamorous job yeah so yeah. what was your like how did you motivate yourself and things like that to be quite confident to approach people
1: yeah I think I mean as a child I was naturally quite shy and I really would say I didn't come out of myself until I was sort of at uni when I think you're so exposed to different people from different walks of life I grew up in London and I went to uni in Wales and that was a real kind of eye-opener because I kind of thought everywhere was like London. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a bit of a shock when it wasn't. In many ways, a nice shock. And so I developed my confidence from that. And then I would say the first years of my career, I would say 21 to 27, mm-hmm. I was learning and absorbing and I was probably not really vocal about what I was doing and I was still quite reserved however I was very fortunate that I had some amazing bosses who would like and and companies that really invested in training and so I went on confidence training, leadership training, skills for managing clients all of those things which sort of bring you out of yourself and there were things we would do training in terms of personalities and how you work with different personalities so Myers-Briggs tests so this all really helped me and then I think when I was about sort of 25 26 I sort of had a bit of a quarter life crisis and decided you know what I want to travel I've always wanted to travel and You know, I've done it, I've ticked all the boxes, I've studied, I've gone to uni, I've got the job. Is this it until I retire? (laughs) You know, and uh, I kind of thought, no, there's so much more to the world. And as a child, I used to play in a a band and an orchestra. I used to play a trombone, very strange instrument, admittedly. I don't know why I was a bit of a strange child, I guess. (laughs) Uh, And so I I played that between sort of seven and 18. And I grew up in Harrow and there was a a music school that all children could go to on a Saturday who went to schools in the borough. And through the music school, we would go on tours uh, every summer to different places in Europe. So we'd go to Holland, France, and these were trips without my family. And my family, we never went on holiday abroad ever. So the only time I went abroad was through the school or or through music school and that's where I really started getting a feel for travel and so 25, 26 I started getting really itchy feet and thinking no I've got to do this and I've got to do it now Um, so I quit my job (laughs) and bought a round the world ticket decided right I'm off so I went to Southeast Asia, Australia, New Zealand, the States And then I ran out of money, (laughs) and then I came. (laughs) 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 So I kind of planned to be away for a year, but uh, that eight months is brilliant, and and I, you know, I I had a great time and I met great people, and that really developed my confidence because I went on my own and I had to just really think on my feet, meet new people, but also realize that the world is not a scary place for for, for the most part. And it really solidified to me how much I love to travel. And I was like, right, when I go back to London and I start working again, I'm going to make sure I make time for travel. And I fell in love with yoga as well when I was away. And so I came back and I thought, right, I'm going to get a job in a, like a charity to do some work and maybe do some freelance work and then study yoga at the same time and and see where it takes me. And so I came back, I worked for local government organization, did my yoga teacher training and then started doing some freelance work for a yoga center. This was just a three month project. And at the end of that, one one of my colleagues at the yoga center said, I actually know somebody who runs a PR agency and she's looking for someone to help on a freelance basis for some maternity leave cover and I said oh great so what sector is it and she said oh it's a, it's a travel firm and I said oh well well that's brilliant I mean I've done a lot of PR I've I've worked in food PR drinks PR corporate PR but not travel and she said, well, but you've travelled a lot, haven't you? And I said, yeah. She said, well, I think you should speak to her. I have a feeling about this. And this colleague, who's now a very good friend, but just a very, very spiritual person, I would say. Yeah. And she just said, well, I've got a good feeling about this. And so I went and had a chat with this agency owner, not thinking anything of it. And then, yeah, three days later, I got my first job in travel PR. And I've never looked back since. So... What I would say about that is it's really important to widen your network and mm. when there are opportunities and if, even if you don't believe you stand a chance, just go for it. Because what have you got to lose? Yeah. Um, and just opportunities you define themselves when you are willing to be open.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think when you're always stuck in fear of the unknown, mm. obviously that is an obstacle in it se- itself. But I think once you make the decision I'm just open to seeing what life is going to bring me. That's when things seem to or when you stop worrying and doubting like things just start to work out for us. So yeah, that's a really good tip. I'm going to ask you a little bit about how you became a director of DCPR yeah. uh, but before you get there, can you just say what was like your day-to-day task when you was in this industry, like what kind of things was you doing? Because you mentioned that you worked on campaigns, but specifically like from junior entry up until now, yeah, what toss was you doing?
1: So when I started out in PR, the the role is usually either comes up as intern or PR assistant. Okay. Where you're a bit like I suppose a runner in, in, in a media company. So you're doing a bit of everything and it could be making tea, printing out um, press releases, m- making notes in um, in meetings, okay. or you could be helping with reports for clients. So sending notes after a meeting or at the end of the month, doing a, a monthly report um, so the client knows how you've been spending their money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and your time and, and also Have you generated any media coverage for them? What what activity are you doing? So that kind of, that would be entry level. Um, And the thing is, that admin never goes away. Even when you get to the top of a company, you're still doing admin. Um, You never get away with it. So that, that would be entry. And then as you become more senior, You know, you'd be managing other staff, you'd be leading the client meetings. And then I suppose a very specific thing to travel PR is that a lot of the work we do is around destinations and bringing media or travel agents to experience a destination. So there'll be lots of trips. So we'd call them uh, familiarization trips, so fan trips or press trips. And so when you are starting out in the first year or two, you're learning all about these things and how they work. And then I would say from year 18 months and upwards, then you'd be attending trips. And so if you love to travel, it's a great area of, of the PR world to be in. Yeah,
0: I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Just catching flights all the time. So you also mentioned about you being a company director. How did that come about?
1: Yes. So my company was launched four years ago. And as I mentioned before, we are a sister company to another company called GECTR, Greg Evans Consultancy Trade Representation. So five years ago, Myself and my my co-company director, Sarah, were working for another travel PR company. And we had, you know, we had some great clients there. We worked with some amazing destinations that included sort of India, the Maldives, I think Kyoto in Japan, all, all sorts of things. And so we had worked together for about five years. And then very, very sadly, the managing director of that company, passed away. And it was all a you know very sudden and quite a shock because she was fairly young in, in her in her 50s. And so at that point it was very much a decision around do we go and work for somebody else or do we try and set up a business or work with another business on our own. And it's it's a very tricky time to be thinking about these sort of major decisions you know you're you're grieving you're shocked Mm -hmm. but at the same time you're realizing that when you get to a certain level of seniority then it's a natural step for you to decide to you know make the leap and work for yourself and so this was something that we thought might be two three four years away but we had to really think long and hard about that so the benefits of going to work with somebody else would have been at a very difficult time. We didn't have the headache of setting up a business and doing all of that. The downside of that is, I would say, for women of a certain age, Sarah and I were both in our 30s and 40s at the time, you have to be a re- realistic. Sarah had a daughter who was one. Lots of companies don't like to employ women of a certain age because they're worried you're going to go off and, you know, have kids or not come back. So it makes you think, well, if I go and work for another company and six months down the line, you go and that's, you're a bit stuffed. Um, And so we had some conversations with lots of different people and different options. And the Greg Evans consultancy group had decided they were setting up a PR arm and wanted to do that and gave us the opportunity to work with them. And we'd worked with Greg. For a lot of the time we were at the previous agency, so so that was so we kind of had the best of both worlds. We had a separate working on our own, but yeah. we had the reassurance of working alongside somebody who knew what they were doing and could coach us, um, but also trusted us to just get on with it. So yeah. so we we took the leap, and I'm I'm so pleased we did. Of course, it was scary, but. Four, four years in and having survived so far this pandemic, I would still say, yeah, it's still worth it running your own company. Be, being your own boss and being in charge of your own destiny is very powerful and a very great thing for, for a woman to be able to do.
0: You're listening to The Career Coach Podcast, bringing you information, lived experiences and all-round career conversation. Yeah, I definitely agree, um, especially when you touched on the points about Wanting children and stuff, I think, for uh, well, even if you're not wanting children, but just because women are known for those things, even if you haven't discussed it because it's quite a personal issue, mm. but the, the workplace automatically looks at you in that way and that from that lens, and it can be quite awkward because I've known. Personally, a friend who's gone to an interview um, told them that she has a child. She didn't get the job Mm. and she was reluctant in other interviews to disclose that information because naturally they're thinking, well, when your child's ill, you might have to just leave to go and pick them up from school and stuff like that. So it's really sad to hear that women are still in this day and age are still struggling with those things, like being able to raise a family comfortably and still think, feeling like they can have a career. Because I think now a lot of women are having children quite later because of those factors. Um, yeah, trying to absolutely. establish a career or some form of financial, you know, steadiness in order to be able to take that time out to look after your child. So yeah, it's quite yeah,
1: hard. yeah, it's it's a real consideration, and you know, the UK is not a cheap place to live. Yeah. Um, so y- you do have to think that, and and in terms of security, then I think a lot of women, certainly my my mother drummed into me that you need to have a career. You need to be able to pay your own way. It doesn't matter if you meet Prince Charming. Prince Charming might become Prince Uncharming or <laughs> something might happen to yeah. Prince Charming. And if gone, or, you know, has a car crash or whatever else, I mean, I wouldn't say she's very pessimistic, but, but she yeah. likes to Paringly. think about different, yeah. yes, different scenarios. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I've always enjoyed working for the most part. So, But the career I've chosen in public relations is very demanding, and it's not so easy to continue working in public relations with this demanding field and being able to be flexible, not just around childcare, but around your hobbies, around the time to spend with your family and your partner, unless you are in a position where you are freelancing or you run your own company.
0: Yeah. And you know, you mentioned as well about the pandemic. Have you mm-hmm. had to adapt then the way you run your business? Um, in order to, you know, be able to still continue?
1: Yeah, I, absolutely. So when the pandemic hit last year, March 2020, we were, you know, three three years into the business and doing pretty well. Yeah. And then overnight, then people stopped travelling and we are specialist travel and lifestyle agency, people stopped going out, no lifestyle uh, initially. And it was no one had ever experienced something like this before. So it was like, ah, what do you do? However, having relatively recently set up a company, we were just used to winging it. We were used to, okay, right, we don't know what's going to happen. But what do we need to keep doing? We need to keep communicating with our clients. We need to keep Promoting our business so people know we are there, and we need to keep liaising and talking to our media partners, influencers, content creators, because they are the people who our clients pay us to have connections with. Um, And that will never change. So we really put our efforts into our relationships. And when the media said, for example, we can't be writing features about going on this holiday right now because no one's going anywhere yeah. and it's not safe to do that then we can't do that so it's pivoting to okay the places you can go to when you do start to travel the things you need to think about when you do start to travel mm. um, and consequently the things you can do at home now you can't travel so you know, very much people Started wanting to focus on local destinations, local travel, things you can do in your own backyard. And so we pivoted to those kind of stories and angles for our clients. Yeah. And we expressed to our clients who are overseas the, um, the, the importance of us maintaining those relationships. And then trusting that we will plan ahead and work on things that we can do now for the future, but that instead of planning for twelve months ahead, we would be planning two months ahead, and we'd say to them, "Like, right, we'll let you know. This is what we think might work for next month, but it might change, yeah. and you have to trust us that we will do that." And so the relationships that we already had with our clients, with media. With content creators, they've really all come into their own in the last 12 months and helped our business survive this pandemic so far. Um, We would usually attend several face to face events or meetings each month with clients or media. That has all gone out the window. So now we have a lot of Zoom meetings with media and clients. We attend Online events uh, and conferences instead. So things have changed. And I would say we're in many ways just as busy as we were before, but doing different things and doing some of the same things in a different way.
0: Yeah. But
1: some things have stopped. So press trips have stopped, but we continue to um, speak to and, and have meetings with media and influencers for when things can uh, move on and people are traveling again.
0: I think again that's um something in business you always have to adapt even in our careers as well I think it's just knowing that change is inevitable and we're always going to have to kind of adapt to different scenarios and situations just the same way you said that originally you started in like different parts of PR and then you traveled and then now you like you're in travel and lifestyle PR so I think it's just um one of those things but yeah COVID's been quite a creative time I think for all of us in in different ways um so yeah and just going back to your career in PR how has it been being firstly a woman but then also being a black female yeah what has that looked like for you
1: so in PR I would say in consumer travel lifestyle PR it's 75% women Mm -hmm. so At the top of the companies, it's usually still men, but 75% women. So being a woman in PR is not unusual at all. And I think that is one real benefit, I guess, for being in PR, that as a woman, you're surrounded by other women. There are women who understand the challenges that you face. So as a woman, not so much an issue. Um, As a black woman, person of color, Still very rare, I would say. Not even ten percent of the workforce, the public relations workforce, is black, BAME. and PR is, I would say, seriously middle and upper class. So main, well, partly people don't know what public relations is. So you need to know somebody who knows someone to, to hear about it. I certainly never spoke to a careers advisor who who mentioned public relations as a, a career choice yeah. um, so I, I love going out to schools and universities and saying hang on a minute you need to widen what you're telling students and then when people hear about it they're like yeah yeah this is brilliant I want yeah. to um, uh, this is a perfect job so I think part of the problem with the lack of black men and women in PR is that there being so few already People don't know that there are others out there. So, you know, you you want to see what you can be. Um, And so for me, I try and do as much as I can to be visible, not just about bringing money into my business, but because I want to inspire other black men, other black women that this is a career that they can have for themselves. This is, you know, you can have a PR job for life because you would have your own business and you can grow it and I've really enjoyed my PR career I think there are additional challenges around the type of PR you go into Mm -hmm. so for example if I was to go into fashion PR I think there would be more representation of people of color because I don't know for the cool factor I think there might be that I'm not saying it's it's a bad thing if you're really into fashion, but I I think that black people can be siloed into different types of public relations. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, in travel and tourism, in the travel and tourism space, if I go into a room and there are other black women in there, They probably work for a tourist board in the Caribbean or Africa. Yeah. And very few work for agencies. That is changing now, but it's taken a while to change. It's taken a while to change. And I, I think for the first five years of my travel PR career, I would say I just kept meeting the same black faces. Um, because you know, it's a small there group. weren't many of us, yeah. <laughs> and we all know each other now, so it's, it's you know it's all, it's all it's all good. It is changing, and of course, when you're dealing with different cultures in travel, then this is something that you have to be aware of. That you're not just in the UK and you're not just in London, which is very diverse. Yeah. But you know, I have been on trips all over the world for work. And you, you, you wonder, well, what am I going to go into? How am I going to be perceived? And, yeah. you know, you have to mentally prepare yourself. And I can honestly say, when you think it's going to happen, it tends not to. And it's somewhere that you wouldn't think it would happen. So I have travelled widely across Asia and I, I have not experienced any overt racism. But then there are other cultures my parents are from the Caribbean and I've been to the Caribbean and I have been I suppose taken aback that perhaps people aren't used to seeing someone who looks like me in a certain position yeah and so that kind of challenges them and they're kind of you can see someone walking towards you thinking no, you're in the wrong place and then yeah. someone <laughs> sort of kind of waves and says oh, oh, oh. no 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 she's fine yeah um so it's an eye-opener and I always try and think you know what If I go into this with purpose, which is I'm going to make it easier for the people who are coming into this career after me, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter. I will make a difference just by being there. Um, And so having a purpose, I think, is is really important about how you conduct yourself in your career. And, you know, it's very much like when you go away, you're an ambassador for your company, your country, but other people of colour as well. is is something I really take on board
0: and have you had to then also direct any of the like companies that you've worked with around cultural understanding in terms of how they might want to do their campaigns
1: yeah so one of my clients is uh, women in travel which is a social enterprise that champions the careers of women in the travel and hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. So, I'm on the advisory board of Women in Travel as well. And I worked with them two years ago to launch BAME Women in Travel. And I ha- have a real passion for the fact that despite, you know, what, a third of the country being from a diverse background, the representation in the travel and tourism industry is really quite poor. And so, we are trying to change that and we're looking at how we can change that and that is through better representation that is through talking to the the people at the top of these industries in tourist boards tour operators and 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 challenging them about their marketing and who they're working with and and, and so there are things that I do to promote the work of women in travel so they can go out to reach these really big stakeholders in the travel industry to help them think about their recruitment processes and also how they market to diverse audiences. There are things like, for example, content creators will approach PRs, tourist boards, for trips. Now, understandably, in some ways, tourist board will want to focus on the content creators who have the biggest following. But if you just chase the numbers, it's highly unlikely you're going to get a diverse mix. Yeah. So. As a PR, I would always advise my clients that you know you don't wanna be talking to the same people, you wanna be talking to different audiences, so you appeal to different audiences. So if you're organizing a trip, a press trip, a group press trip with five content creators, then you need to make sure there is a mixture. They're not all men, they're not all women, they're not all white. Mm-hmm. You know, th- These are the things that I will think, and, and some will say it's an unconscious bias but that's around education. Yeah. And I'm finding that actually the tourist boards I deal with in Asia and um, Indian Ocean, they really understand that the UK is diverse and they say, Oh, right. So, you know, we know that people um in London come from all over the world, and we mm-hmm. want to make sure that we are attracting and reflecting that. And and so I you know I work with hotel groups who are arranging trips all the time with different UK celebrities and they are of every shade nationality color and I think that's brilliant because that wasn't the case I would say even 3 or 4 years ago things wow. are really really changing and changing rapidly but I also think there's there are younger people going through these companies who understand that the world is uh, multifaceted and multicolored. So so it's important. So, you know, I try and do my bit, but I also try and work with organizations that are also doing more than I can do individually yeah. as well.
0: I think what's key in what you're saying as well, the importance of representation, because again, you having a seat at the table mm. is able to help these conversations, even if the is in the hands of the company, but you're giving them food for thought. And I think You know, we've seen we've seen a lot of examples of some kind of bad marketing in different fashion brands and so forth, and kind of the outrage on social media. But again, the question always is who's who's at these tables having these conversations to Mm. why this is even happening. Yes, really, actually, encouraging to hear that like someone like yourself is there, like actually nudging you know nudging people to think differently. Because I think sometimes when we're looking from the outside in. We can get quite frustrated and angry online and make comments. But again, we're not really saying, okay, it, maybe we need to push more people in these industries to be able to help with these decision making. So that's why, for me as well, this podcast was really important because it's to try and bring awareness to people so that they can actually also be the change that they want to see in the world versus just always being online and we're always kind of complaining, but there's no solution, if you get what I mean. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's important. There's a lot of work to do, but there are so many people who are willing to do that work. And, you know, last summer, after Black Lives Matter, uh, really the movement took off. Um, It opened up conversations that were in the background in lots of organisations. And it was a real opportunity for BAME Women in Travel to go out and really say, this is what we've been talking about. This is why you need to change the way you recruit, the way you market, because you are not representative of your audience. You are not getting the best talent. And people were listening and are listening. And the the work we're doing in terms of promoting what women in in travel are doing around sort of allyship and working with big organisations like Google Travel now to change the way those organizations work recruits market it is changing and so we're going right to the top we're not just dealing with those who are entry level in 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 the industry it's got to come from all levels um, and sort of from lots of different sources the work is happening but yeah there's there's still a way to go
0: yeah but positive changes as we move yes, forward yes definitely. and so you touched on um a, a bit earlier about working with influencers because I read your article on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and how influencers can work with travel brands like yourself company sorry as, as yourself well, could you just like briefly touch on some of those tips especially like you said for those that are coming from ethnic minority groups maybe what can they do to be yep. seen more
1: so I recently spoke about how influencers can work better with travel and lifestyle PR companies and brands at conference called Waypoint, a virtual conference. And I came up with sort of 12 tips. So I'm just going to share six of the tips that I think work across travel and lifestyle mainly, but I think wider than that too. So with um, press trips, because in in, in travel, that's really what everyone wants to know. How can I get on a a press trip? And I would say that There are so many travel content creators out there. So really know what's unique about you and come up with a unique angle. So your take on the destination, how is that going to be unique? So that is a key thing, because if you don't come up with a unique angle, you're going to come up with the same thing as everybody else. And then it's very hard for the PR then to say, pick this content creator out of the thousand who have reached out to us this month. Yeah, it really is that much. Wow. (laughs) Depending on the destination. I mean, I work with the Maldives, so they get a lot of interest. And (laughs) thankfully they have global PR agencies. So it's not just all on us in the UK to to, to deal with. Um, My second, uh, I guess, tip is that do your research on the, the destination you want to go to and just make sure that that trip angle is viable. So don't say, you know, you might really love hiking. So don't say, oh, I want to go hiking in the Maldives when, you know, it's pretty flat islands, <laughs> you're not going <laughs> to be able to go hiking. So do your research because yeah. it's very hard to backtrack when you've, you know, come up with something that's really unviable. And I would say another tip is research the destination or the, the hotel that you want to work with. So go on to their website look around and then pull out maybe things that are sort of not on the first page but two or three pages in so they know you've actually looked and I think like, oh okay this person has done their research. Yeah um you know stroke the ego a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, that 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 all helps. And then I think for content creators who are more established and I really do think press trips are for the more established who have you know a thousand followers up to a million. Then you really need to have a a media kit, which is a one or two pager, which says a bit about you, who you've worked with before and your audience and the reach and which areas of of the planet they come from. The type of things that your your audience like to do when they're on a trip, etc. So um, media kits are brilliant. And I think working with different content creator communities will give you tips on how to pull together media kit so traverse um, events and propel their influencer communities that I, I know and have worked with and would say that they really help those who are just trying to work how to get into the travel and lifestyle space and the network I think the sharing of, of experience you get in a content creator community is is invaluable because as I understand it I'm not a content creator myself but it can be quite lonely you know you're spending a lot of time on your own learning your trade and so it's a great way to meet other people who understand that you know your line of work and and the particular difficulties that and challenges that that can create for you uh, spending a lot of time on your own Um, and also giving you community to bounce ideas off and around as well, I think is invaluable in probably every line of, of work. Two more tips then. So I would say, and as I've said throughout this podcast, that relationships are so important in PR, creative industries. So introduce yourself over email to the PR. It tends to be the PR who will then facilitate the relationship with the client so it's really important that you do try and contact the PR some people do go directly to different tourist boards and that's fine but they tend to send you back to the PR anyway so it might just save you a bit of time and the PR can then tell you how to approach that particular client and you know give you some ideas and tips as well yeah and then I would say for my sixth tip is to get to know who the PRs are, so through your um, content creator network would be useful. And then try and e-meet, virtually meet them at events. I think until face-to-face network events come back, you know, we can't wait. I do a lot of virtual events yeah. and I've met loads of new people in the last six months at these events. So it is it is a great way to meet. And, you know, you've, you've we've got to maintain those relationships and build new relationships. That's how you stay relevant. That's how you keep learning. That's how you stay creative as well.
0: Yeah and i think as well now that the pandemic's hit there's kind of no excuse because you can do it in the comfort of your own home you don't need absolutely to now so you can tap into so many things was the talk that you did was it recorded anywhere maybe i can share the link
1: i wish it was recorded but oh. i am speaking at a conference uh, at Propel, at the end of February. So, okay, that's another chance to. I'll be sharing some more tips for okay. content creators then. Right. Uh, so, I think that's the Propel conference, 23rd, 24th of February.
0: Okay. Uh, what I could do is get the details from you later, maybe add them yeah. into the description. Um, no so, problem. on a final note, then, for someone that's trying to actually get into PR, what would be your
1: advice for them? So, I would say, relationships again so get those relationships now if if you're like me and came into PR with no relevant contact whatsoever then all you can do is network and meet people two company owners have said to me your network is your net worth
0: yes and
1: it's so true you know you you can't meet too many people um so really try to meet as many people as you can it will help you build up your um interpersonal skills which is really really important in pr pr is about communication across lots of different platforms face to face on email and virtually and of course social media too but i think the face to face soft skills are so important from the start of your career right through to when you're running a company so try and meet as many people as you can virtually contact people that you think are interesting on uh, you know LinkedIn email them saying you know I'd really like to know a bit more about how you got into this field would you mind having a 20-minute chat with me you know I think most people would would say yes so it all helps and they might be able to recommend somebody who is looking for some help that could also help you so I would say that's really important you've got to be tenacious you've got to you know I was a naturally shy person and I've had to develop getting out of that because I really love what I do and being shy in PR is not you know it doesn't help you you know you don't have to be the life and soul of the party but you have to be tenacious you have to believe in what you're saying you've got to believe in your clients and what they're doing as well stop listening to that negative voice in your head i know a lot of us women have this problem and i i would say that as you get older you care less about it and you'll just get on with it so so that's it gets easier the older you get i assure <laughs> you and i would say also you know really really pay attention to your yourself your self-care running a business working in pr it's hard work and it can be challenging. So you need to really look after yourself, eat well, exercise, sleep. These are so important. And um, you know, you've got to look after yourself because sometimes it, it takes a lot out of you, but I, I can assure you it's, it's worth it. And public relations is such a, a great career and running a business and running your own business, you'll never regret it. So I do hope more people will, will take the leap and, and become their own bosses
0: so there you go guys you've heard it from fiona anderson pr guru (laughs) some amazing (laughs) tips and advice there so if anyone wants to maybe make contact with you or to check out your business where can they find you
1: yes so my business website is gecpr.co.uk and our company socials are at G-E-C-P-R-U-K. Uh, that's on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. And me, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn or Instagram is my sort of platform of choice socially. So I'm I am Fiona Anderson at I am Fiona Anderson on Instagram as well.
0: Excellent. So, guys, uh, don't forget to check out the podcast on all known streaming platforms and you can follow me on insta at its cc podcast and twitter and if you're looking for career coaching you can check out www.careercoachme.co.uk so a fantastic conversation and i'm sure you took away some great gems so until next time guys bye for now